Um, I'm excited to take a look at Philippians chapter 3 today. Uh, So let's go ahead and open up our Bibles and get right to it. Philippians chapter 3, and we'll go ahead and read the whole chapter, and then we'll dive into um, what we feel like God has for us today. Um, I am reading out of the New King James Version. On the screens, screens you'll have the ESV version, and then um, uh, depending on what version Bible you have today, um, let's go ahead and just read together. Uh, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord, for to me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Um, I'm just going to pause right there for just a second. Ben was saying something about it earlier um, this morning. Uh, he was talking about, uh, you know, uh, hearing something over and over again. And, and here, Paul is saying, I'm going to tell you something that I've already told you. Um, this, is, this is something that you've already heard. It's the same thing I've communicated to you before. Um, but for you, this is good. This is safe that you're hearing this again. How many of you have, like, you've been in multiple services time and time again, and you find yourself hearing similar messes, messages? over and over. Um, sometimes, uh, you know, maybe we get to a place where like, I'm so, you know, heard it, you know, and we check out. But here, Paul is saying, this is something you've heard. It's the same thing I've communicated to you before, but this is safe for you that you're hearing this again. It is safe for you. Um, and so I, that's, that's a challenge to me that in moments when I feel like I'm hearing a, a message that I've already heard before, that that's the exact moment that I got to press in. I got to be like, okay, obviously, God, you're wanting me to hear this again. Obviously, Lord, this is something that maybe didn't get through to me the first time, and so I'm hearing it the second time, or maybe it's the third time, or the fourth time, or the fifth time. But God has something uh, that he's trying to communicate, and he's trying to instill in us. And so Paul says here, it is for you, it is safe. It's good, it's safe. And so I think that anytime we approach a service or um, uh, open up our Bible for our Bible reading, that if it's maybe a chapter that you've read that before and it's kind of the temptation. Have you ever done that before? The temptation when you're in your Bible reading plan is like, oh, I know that chapter. Yeah, I could just check it off like I read it already. Um, but how many of you know we cannot exhaust the Word of God? There's no way. You can take one scripture, read that one scripture every single day, and God is just so amazing that in, in many ways, He'll speak to us in many ways through, through um, that one verse. Let's keep going. Verse, verse 2. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless." Verse 7, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. 
Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have often told you, that, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things, for our fellowship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, and God, I pray that you, uh, God, that you would speak to each one of us here today through Philippians chapter 3, that God, that we would, um, uh, God, that we would walk out, Lord, changed, we would walk out having been challenged by your word, and God, we thank you for all that you have to communicate to us today. Lord, let your will be done, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, Wow. It was an amazing, amazing chapter. I have to say that um, when I realized uh, we had calendared out, um, you know, who, who would be speaking on what weekends, and, and for Mother's Day, my husband spoke, and for Father's Day, uh, I'm speaking, and he was talking all day yesterday about how relaxed he was, and um, how, how he just was able to relax, and just enjoy, and, and have a good time, and I thought, good, because I'm stressed out right now, you know, I gotta get ready, I gotta get ready, it was funny, um, but as, when I realized that I would be um, doing Philippians chapter 3, I got so excited, because Philippians 3 is probably one of my most favorite chapters in the Bible. Uh, it's hard to say that because there's so many amazing passages in Scripture. Uh, but there's something about chapter 3 of Philippians that I just, I love it. I love everything about it. And, and so as I was studying, preparing, man, there's just so much. There's so much rich uh, uh, principles that we can w- learn from just in this one chapter, and it's that way with the whole Bible, but um, I, I was challenged, but I just, I, I got only so many minutes, you know, and um, so we're going to, we're going to focus on one portion of this, of this chapter, but I challenge you to dive into the, the remaining verses um, throughout uh, the rest of this next week, and, and really uh, study it out for yourself, and have a good time, but I was, I was totally thrilled that I was going to have the opportunity to communicate this to us today. Um, so let's do a little bit of review. Uh, we've been talking about um, Philippians, and we discovered that Philippians was written by Paul with Timothy. He gives credit to Timothy as well. So it was written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, Philippians was written to uh, all of the saints, all of the people, all the leaders, all the pastors in the church at Philippi. Uh, so he's, it's written by Paul to the people there at the church in Philippi, um, and it was written from, from Rome while Paul was in prison. And so here's a man in prison, and, and everyone would, you would think he would have no joy. But what does he do? He writes a book, he writes a letter to the, the people in Philippi, and, it's, and the overall theme is joy. And uh, so it's just, it's just exciting, it's amazing. And when we realize who wrote it, where he was at when he wrote it, 
and uh, realize that, that we've got a lot that we can learn from this, uh, this uh, great book. Philippians chapter 1, we went through a couple weeks ago. We discovered that Philippians chapter 1, we, we discovered that joy comes through knowing him and allowing God to do something to us so that he can do something through us. Uh, letting God do something to us so that he can do something through us and touch the lives of other individuals, that joy comes through that. Philippians chapter 2, uh, we discover that joy comes through having the same mind of humility, the mind of humility, the same mind that Christ had, a mind of humility, and putting others first, that joy comes through that. And today we're going to dive into uh, chapter 3. But let's look at the, the definition of joy. Joy, the emotion or great delight The emotion of great delight or happiness caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying. It is keen pleasure. The Bible says in Psalm 16, verse 11, that in the Lord's presence, in his presence, is the fullness of joy. The fullness of joy. So the, the, the joy that we've experienced, you know, when you're together with family or you're having a great time with friends, that joy that you experience there doesn't even compare to the joy that you experience when you're in the presence of God. Because that joy is the fullness of joy. Joy in its completeness. Isn't that incredible? It's awesome. Um, we all want joy. Um, on the screens we have Superman. Um, and the reality is we can all go around doing really good things. Doing great things. Being heroic and saving the day. And, and um, you know, men, you can, you can, you know, step into the kitchen and save the day for your wife as you open up that jar that she's been struggling with for the last half hour. You know, you can do great things and good things, but in the end still lack joy. Just like Superman, man, he was heroic. He went around doing good, but man, now he finds himself sitting on the couch waiting for somebody to show him the way towards joy. And so we can, we can do good and do great things, but still lack joy. And let's, let's look at that today. Uh, right here in, in Philippians, in the verse, uh, verse 2, we see that Paul starts off, and he starts off with a warning. Paul says, um, my brethren, he says, uh, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. Okay, men, um, us women don't understand this, we know nothing about this, but when they're talking about mutilation, they're referring to circumcision, okay? Um, uh, we're, we're thankful that we know nothing about that. Um, and I'm sure that many of you are thankful that you don't remember that. (laughs) Um, but Paul here says, beware of the dogs. Okay, now, I have a dog, and I am a dog lover. I love my dog. Um, sometimes she frustrates me, okay? But I love my little puppy, and I know Julia. She's got a dog. She's a dog lover as well. And so sometimes we can look at this and think, oh, Beware of dogs. I mean, really? My little toy poodle, white, fluffy, with a little bit of apricot. You know, she's not going to hurt anybody. I, I don't need to beware of her. So we automatically think of, you know, the dogs. Or you drive through here and you see all the dogs out there, you know, running after the tennis balls and playing out there in the park. And you think, I don't need to beware of the dogs. You know, we have this image in our mind of our cute little toy poodle cuddled up on the couch, just so adorable. Um, but that's not what he's talking about, okay? When Paul says, beware of the dogs, he's referring to the dogs uh, that would roam Israel in that day. They, would, they were untrained. They were not owned by anyone. They had no owner. Uh, they would go around snip, snipping at people, biting at people. Um, they were dirty. They were filthy. They weren't trained, so they would go do their business wherever they felt like doing their business, all right? Um, they, they, um, they would actually eat human corpses. Okay, so these, these dogs that he's referring to, 
um, are the kind of dogs that I teach my kids to stay away from. Uh, there are certain dogs, uh, I, I think that there are more dogs that live in our building than people that live in our building. Um, and, but there are certain dogs in our building that, you know, I, I've had to teach my kids, no, 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 no. Um, I teach my kids that every dog that you encounter, you, you, you don't just reach out and pet them. Um, I have to teach them that because they're so comfortable with our little poodle. Um, they, she's wonderful, and she's not going to bite them unless they're playing, and it's by accident. Um, and so I've had to teach them that if it's a strange dog that you don't know, you can't just reach your hand out and just pet them. There's this one dog in particular, um, and I'm not going to say the breed that it is because, you know, there are some, you know, okay. Um, it's Pibble, all right? Um, and <laughs> well, they called it out. I didn't even say it. Um, Okay, now I've met some pit bull puppies and pit bull dogs uh, that are, are wonderful and are very sweet, and you can tell that they've been trained by the right owners. Um, and so I don't, I don't want to put judgment on the pit bull on a stereotypical, okay? Um, and if you're a pit bull owner, I'm not doing that. However, there is one pit bull in particular that lives in our building that I've, I, I stay away from. And I've taught my kids that, no, 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 that's, you're not going to, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to reach down and pet that dog. Because all you have to do is watch, watch the owner come out, and the owner's not walking the dog. The dog is walking the owner, okay? This dog is owning the owner. Um, and, and it's, you know, gotten in fights in our lobby with other dogs, and, and it's just not, not a pleasant dog to be around. And I just don't, there's just something in me that I just don't quite trust it. Okay, so when Paul says beware of the dogs, he's referring to those dogs that you've got to watch out for. They, they, maybe they're a little bit unpredictable, and you see that they're untrained, and they, they, can, they snap at people. Um, these are the type of dogs that Paul's referring to. Got it? So he's not talking about our little toy poodle. That's absolutely adorable. We'll jump on your lap and lick your face, face to, to no end, okay? Um, he's referring to those dogs that you've got to stay away from. Okay, the, he's talking about false teachers. Paul's referring to false teachers. He's referring to the religious people in that day, that what they were doing, because it says, beware of the dogs, beware of the mutilation. What these false teachers were doing is they were going around telling people that, man, you've got to do this in order to be saved. You've got to be circumcised in order to have approval from God and to find your entrance into heaven. So they were trying to take people and get people to, to get under the law. But the Bible says that, man, we're saved by grace through faith because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. But these individuals, false teachers, trying to tell people, man, you've got to do this, you've got to do that in order to gain God's approval. And so he's referring to these dogs. It's that mindset of, of uh, if, if you do the right tricks, you'll get the treat. Right? If you do the right tricks, you'll get the treat. We taught our dog that if she sits, if she lays down, and if she rolls over, then she gets a treat. Okay? Here he says, and so it's interesting. Not only are, are they the type of people you've got to be aware of, you've got to stay away from. You don't know what they're going to do. They might snap at you. But they're, they're like dogs. They think that if you do all the right tricks, you do all the right things, then you'll get your little tick, ticket into heaven, and you'll make your way to, 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 to God. But that's not the way it is. And so Paul says, so he, he says, watch out for these people. And he says, but we are the circumcision. We are those who live by, by faith in Christ. And he, he begins to go into this, and he says, if anybody deserves a treat, right? If anybody deserves a treat, if anybody could have confidence in what they do, then man, Paul says, then I, even more so than anyone, 
Paul says, man, I know how to sit. I know how to roll over. I know how to bark. I know how to, you know. He's like, I, if anybody can have confidence in what they do, in what, in what they've done, then I can. Let's look at this. Paul says here, circumcise the eighth day. So he says, you know what? These people want to tell you about circumcision. You need to be circumcised. Come on. If that's the way to God, man, I was circumcised. He, he brings it back to birth. He's like, you want to talk about this? I, I was eighth day. Eighth day after I was born, I was circumcised. He says of the stock of Israel. It's referring to his offspring. It's referring to his heritage. He's saying, man, I've got, I've got the lineage here. I've got the, I'm in the right family. He says, I, I'm, I'm, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. Okay, Benjamin means son of my right hand. Think about that for a minute. Where is, where is Christ seated? Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Benjamin means, um, Benjamin means good fortune, favor. He says, man, that's the tribe I come from. Hello. He says, he says this, he says, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. What is that, what is he saying there? That word of means out of or from. So he's saying, I am a Hebrew from Hebrews. So both my mom and my dad were Hebrews. So we're talking some pure blood here. He's like, I, I've, I've got it made. I've got, I've got the family. I've got the heritage. Then he goes into, concerning the law, I'm a Pharisee. I'm, I was a Pharisee. This is referring to his education, his knowledge of scripture. Uh, can somebody open that door? Somebody's trying to get in. Thank you. Um, referring to, uh, it's referring to his heritage. It's, he, he refers to his heritage. He refers to his education. Okay? He's referring to um, his devotion. He says zeal. You want to talk about zeal? Man, I, I was one that persecuted the church. I was one that I would kill Christians. I was going about, you talk about being devoted to what I believed in. Man, I was going all the way. There was no half-hearted stuff here. There was no, I was all the way. I'm, I'm going all the way, and I would persecute Christians. I was devoted. He says, you want to talk about righteousness? Blameless. That's a, that's a bold statement to make right there. That is a bold statement. Because of all the, the laws that are found in the Old Testament, Paul says, blameless. I am free from fault. I'm, I'm free from fault. I'm free from defect. He, he says, you want to talk about being, being able to have confidence in the flesh. Man, I more so. You want to talk about knowing all the tricks? Being able to do all the right things to get the treat, man, I, I got it made. I can do this thing. So here, right at the very beginning of Philippians, we see that Paul is telling us something. He's communicating something to us. He's communicating because we realize the, the overall theme of Philippians is joy. So we realize that Paul is saying, joy is not found in finding confidence in yourself. Joy is not found in confidence in your abilities and what you can do. But joy is found having confidence in Christ. Having your confidence in Jesus Christ. And so Paul is saying, man, if I could have had confidence, if I could have found joy and confidence in my abilities, man, I had it made. I should have been filled with joy, man. I should have had it all. Paul is saying, I, I, I did all the right things. I had, all, I had the right family. I had the right education. I had it made. How many of you have um, fallen into that trap? You know what? Our culture, our culture teaches us that if, if we perform, if we perform well, it's all about performance. Paul's saying, man, I performed really well. 
I had the right education. I did all these right things. And our culture teaches us that if we perform really well, then, and if we, if we perform well, then we can meet our goals. And if we meet all of our goals, then you know what? At the end of the quarter, you're going to get your bonus. So our culture teaches us that, you know what? If you perform well, you're going to meet your goals. If you meet your goals, you're going to get your bonus. And if you get that bonus, you're going to be joyful. You're going to be happy. But what happens if you don't get the bonus? What happens when you don't meet the goals? There's no joy. Our culture teaches us that if you get the right education, if you get the right grades and you get the right education, then you're going to get the job that has the right salary so that you can get that amazing house. And if you get that amazing house, then you're going to have joy. But what happens when the 15,000 other people that are getting the same education you get are going out for the same job that you're going out for and one of them gets it? Then you have no joy. Paul is saying we can't find confidence in our own performance, in our own abilities, in our flesh. We've got to have confidence in him. Our confidence has to rest in Christ. And when it does, that is when you'll find joy. When it does, then you may not get the job, but you can still have joy. You may not, you may not meet your bonus, meet, meet your goals, but you can still have joy. All right? I've fallen into this trap before. Before I was, say, before I knew Jesus Christ as my Savior, I fell into the same trap that our, our culture teaches us. Um, I, I, I found myself going to the the. the, the the right university that, you know, could get me the right degree because I wanted the salary. I wanted the right, I wanted, it was all about the job that I could get. And it was about the pay that I could get. It wasn't about what I loved to do. And so I went and I got the right education and, you know, I got, I got the boyfriend because, you know, you got to have the boyfriend so that you can be joyful and you can be happy. So I got the boyfriend, but then the boyfriend didn't quite work out. He was a drug dealer. And so then I ended up, you know, doing the drugs with the drug dealer and so then here I am, you know, sitting in the middle of the room as we're cutting the eight ball of cocaine, and, and I'm wondering, how did I find myself here? And, and I'm realizing that, you know what, uh, but, but culture teaches us that, you know, find your own way, do your own thing, you know, try it all. You'll have fun, you'll have joy. So I, I was all wrapped up in this trap, and I was doing all these things that the dogs would teach us. And I, I'm going that direction, but then, then things weren't working out, and things weren't panning out the way that I thought they were supposed to, and I, I ended up making mistakes, and I ended up failing, and I didn't get, I didn't, it, the education thing didn't work out, because I was too strung out on drugs, and, and then I found myself sitting back going, what did I do? And I was in a family that was an amazing family, and, 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 and did all the right things, and so I felt that, man, I, I'm not perfect, that I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't measure up, that I didn't, you know, do all the right things. And so the confidence, my confidence was in my abilities. My confidence is in what was in what I was doing. When I realized that I was doing all the wrong things, and I, was re- I realized that where I had found myself, here I am on drugs, here I am, you know, making decisions that were completely wrong, that led to unhappiness, not just for myself, but for family members. When I realized I was not just hurting myself, but I was hurting others, I realized I wasn't living up. And I was lacking joy. And it all led to hopelessness. It all led to, man, I, this, there is no joy. I am hopeless. I'm, I, I, am, I, I, I'm, I feel like I'm living in fear. And, and I was at a place where I didn't, I didn't want to go on anymore. There was no joy. It happened when, when, I, when I came to receive Christ. And, and I realized um, 
that Jesus Christ came to die and to forgive me for all of those mistakes that I had made. When, when I came to realize that, man, Jesus lived the life that I could have never lived. And he died for all of my failures and all of my mistakes. And, and I realized, man, I need him because I've got to have confidence in him. Because my can't, confidence can't rest in myself because I'm going to fail. I'm going to make a mistake. And when I came to that realization and I prayed a prayer to receive Jesus into my life, I, I'm not kidding. My husband is a witness. For the, after I prayed a prayer asking Jesus to be my Lord and Savior for three hours, three hours after I prayed that prayer, I was laughing. It, it, was, it, was, it was strange, I'm not going to lie. I was laughing. I was hysterical. It was in that one moment, man, joy was just flooding my, my, my being. Like, it was like, man, I was just, the joy of the Lord was coming in a way that I had never experienced and never known before ever in my entire life. And it was incredible. Why? Because in that moment, I chose to put my confidence in him no longer in myself. I've been, I've been caught up in the, the, the mindset of putting confidence in myself, even as a Christian. I found myself at a point where, you know, Ben and I got married, and we did an internship, and we had, um, we had moved down to San Diego back in 99, and we were serving in a church, helping, helping start a church back then, and, uh, and we were at that place, and Ben had gotten the education, and he had gone to the Christian college, and he had his degree, and, and um, he had been a Christian all of his life, and, and he had parents that were pastors, and, and when we stepped in and we began to serve the church, they, they uh, saw us and they said, you know, we want you to be our youth leaders. And so they said, we want you to be the youth leaders, and so we stepped in and we began serving and we began um, leading the youth in the church at that time. And a little while after that, they said, you know what, Ben, we want to we wanna license you as a pastor. We want to pray for you and ordain you as a pastor here at this church. And I sat back and I was like, oh, okay. I thought we were both the youth leaders. <laughs> I sat back and I was like, oh, that's great. So what am I? I'm not, I'm not kidding. I, and I was just like, oh, yeah. Okay, that's right. I was the one that strung out on drugs. <laughs> okay, that's right. I was the one, I haven't been a Christian all my life. Okay, you know what, maybe that's why. And all of these, all of a sudden in that moment, I had to battle these thoughts of the reason why I wasn't good enough to be a pastor. And I had to battle this thought of, you know what, I've got to perform. And if I perform, then they're going to see that I, I know the Bible. They're going to see that I know how to pastor young people. Then they're going to see that, man, I am fully, completely devoted to Jesus. And so if I read my Bible more, man, I read through it in, you know, a month, the whole thing, you know, then, then that's going to be what, you know, my ticket to getting, you know, being able to be licensed to be called a pastor. Um, if, you know, if I, if I serve really hard and I do all of these things... And I, be, I, I slipped into that mindset of having confidence in my abilities. And I begin to think, man, if only I can do this and do that, then I will have the title, then I'll have joy. And God corrected me real fast. <laughs> it didn't take long. And God corrected me real fast. And God looked at me and he said, Katie, he didn't really look at me. I didn't really see him. Okay, let's just clarify that for everybody. Okay, but I felt as though the Lord came to me, and, and it was in a moment as I was praying, 
And God looked at me and he said, you know what, Katie? You don't need man to call you what I've already called you. You don't, you don't need a title. You don't need, you don't need anybody to approve of you. I've already approved of you. And in that moment, I, I, I just, man, I was a mess. <laughs> I was like, God, forgive me. I just, I was trying to do it on my own, thinking that somehow in my own strength that I would be good enough. The reality is none of us are good enough. None of us are. Let's look at this back at the back of the scriptures. So Paul goes through and Paul says, man, you want to talk about being a good little dog? <laughs> you want to talk about being the dog that, man, you're trained just the right way and you know how to do all the right things and you can perform really well. And, and you want to talk about that? You want to talk about having the right family? You want to talk about having the good education? You want to talk about being able to have confidence in yourself? Man, I had it all. But Paul says right here in verse 8, he says, but I count them as rubbish. He says, I count everything that I could do, all of, all of my abilities, all of my strength, all of that, I count it as rubbish. It is nothing. It is rubbish. Okay, now that word rubbish, when I say it, rubbish, you know, I think of somebody with an accent, which I can't even do accents, so I won't even try. Um, but I think of, you know, it's rubbish. You say garbage is a garbage, you know, garbage. It just sounds kind of gross, doesn't it? I'm going to take out the garbage. Yeah, please, take that out. That's disgusting, you know? Uh, dads, thank you for taking out the garbage, by the way. I appreciate that. So my husband wonders sometimes um, why uh, I, I'm really good at taking the garbage out of the little can thing, and then I set it in the hallway. <laughs> okay, and the funny thing is, is all I have to do is walk out our front door to our lobby, and there's the door for the trash chute right there. So it's not even like I'm taking the trash out to the trash man to pick it up. It's like right there. And so he laughs at me, but I was just like, well, that's your job, you know? <laughs> thank you, you know? I love you, you know? It's like, it's like that's the dirty job. So thank you, men, for doing that for us. Um, but anyways, he, he says rubbish, okay? It doesn't translate very well for us because that sounds kind of pleasant, doesn't it? But that word there, when we look at it, the Greek meaning of that word is this. Uh, hang on with me, okay, as you hear this, okay? It's refuse, excrement of animals, of things worthless and detestable, dung or poop. Okay? Yeah, it's dung. It's poop. So Paul is saying, what I got here, all the things that I can do, all the good thing, good good that I can do, all of my accomplish, all the, all the confidence that I can place in myself, it is rubbish. <laughs> Okay? It's, it's poop. It's dung. It's something meant to be flushed. All right? Just flush it. Get rid of that. That is no good. It le it's, it's worthless. It's no good. It's disgusting. When we have confidence in ourselves, man, God looks at that and he's like, oh, honey. It's like my kid, you know, when my kids, when they were in diapers. It's like, or, or no, not even that, Okay? God looks at us, and we, when we begin to put confidence in ourselves, you know what it is? It's, it's like my daughters when they were being potty trained. And they got the panties on. They don't have the pull-ups anymore, but we got the panties on. And they have a little accident, but it's a number two accident. And they're sitting in it, right? And it's like, honey, we're at the mall, and you just had a number two accident. And... 
You're just going to have to wrap yourself up with your little jacket and go on home like that. Honey, that's gross. You smell. So God's looking down at us, and he's like, you are putting confidence in yourself right now. It's like you're carrying a load. <laughs> and he just wants you to just flush it. Go deal with that stuff, all right? Go flush that and put it where it really belongs, all right? That's what we're doing. That's what it's like. It's, it's rubbish. It's disgusting. We got it. Paul, so then Paul goes on and he says, I count it rubbish for the sake of knowing who, for know, the sake of knowing Christ, to know him and to be found in him. Man, to find my confidence in him. Because when I find my confidence in him, man, he, what I, the Bible says, man, with man it's impossible, with God, all things are possible. So with me, man, it's impossible. It's, it's, it's nothing. It's like dung. But with God, all things are possible. Man, so when we put our confidence in him, we realize, man, that he's good and that he can do it, that he can accomplish it, and that he can bring joy into our lives. So we find joy in that. We find joy in that. When we have the men- mentality of when we begin to put confidence in our flesh, it just puts pressure on us. It puts that pressure to be perform. And, and to keep doing good, and if you just keep doing good, and you keep doing all the right things, then you're going to have God's approval. And if you have God's approval, then, man, you're going you're gonna to be filled with joy. Well, all that does is it stresses you out. All that's going to do is stress you out because you realize that somewhere along the way you're going to make a mistake. Somewhere along the way you're going to fail. Somewhere along the way my husband's not going to be perfect. So not only can I not just put confidence in myself, but I can't put my confidence in my husband. I love you, and I trust you completely, and, 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 and I believe in you, and I will follow you with all my heart as you follow Christ. But the minute I put my confidence in him, that somehow because of him, our family's going to have joy, I missed it. Our confidence has to be in Christ right. and in him alone. Right. Here's the reality. When we put our confidence in Christ, we realize that we're not good. We realize that we're not good. That only Christ is good. That only Christ is without sin. When we are people that put our confidence, confidence in him, when we have confidence in Jesus Christ, Christ then we realize that, man, we, 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 we can't, we haven't lived a good enough life to, to, to find God's approval. But we realize that Jesus Christ lived the life that you and I couldn't live. People that have confidence in Jesus Christ realize that, man, he's lived the life that we couldn't live. He was the one that lived the sinless life. We realize that our own efforts, man, don't save us. But, man, it's, it's through his efforts that we're saved. It's because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross that we can be saved, that we can't save ourselves, that Christ saves us. When your confidence is in him, that's what you realize. That's what you realize. The reality is confidence in self and in our own efforts is just dung. It's rubbish. The Bible also calls our righteousness filthy rags. Okay? Ladies, that's referring to a woman's menstrual cycle and what she would use to help deal with that issue. So our righteousness, our abilities, confidence in ourselves, it's rubbish. It's filthy rags. But man, having confidence in Christ... That brings freedom. Having our confidence in Christ brings joy. Amen. Let's stand as we finish today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's just close our eyes as we um, conclude today. I just really have one question for us um, this afternoon. 
That question is, where, where have you placed your confidence? Where have you placed your confidence? Philippians chapter 3 tells us that when our confidence is in ourselves, in our own abilities, in our ability to perform good enough, man, in that we're not going to find joy. But if our confidence is in Jesus Christ and what he has already done on the cross, when our confidence is in him and the work that he has accomplished for you and I, that brings joy, that brings freedom. So where are you at today?